Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. A lot going on. Judicial Watch, of course, in court trying to get the answers about major, major issues that are happening here, in, not only in Washington, D.C., but all over the country. Uh, we've got uh, new information, a new lawsuit we filed related to the, to the Capitol riot. We've got new information on horrible, horrible material related to uh, the sale of fetal organs using your tax dollars. Uh, at least one court is unhappy with the situation. And uh, on that, on top of that, we're also investigating the nursing home scandal in New York and in Pennsylvania. First up, I want to talk about the border crisis caused by the change in policies by the Biden administration. Uh, Practically speaking, we have an open border. If you are a underage person crossing the border illegally, or you're part of a family unit crossing the border illegally, you get in and you get released ultimately. That's the way it's looking. And the Biden administration's in crisis mode is because they're quote processing these folks, and the numbers are overwhelming the system. Now they're not doing anything to curtail the transit of illegal border crossing. In fact, they're encouraging it by releasing those who get across the border. Now, prior to this, you had a crisis in 2019 and the Trump administration, uh, to its really patriotic credit, because the president did what presidents are supposed to do in terms of preserving our Republican form of government and protecting our sovereignty and border, uh, he reformed the asylum system uh, and he made it clear to the countries that were sending uh, illegal immigrants up here uh, that would not be tolerated anymore. And so as a result, that uh, if you wanted to seek asylum and there are credible claims of asylum, you can, it's not to say you can't have asylum, uh, but you just can't come here, claim asylum and then abuse the process in the sense that you get automatically released and you never show up for your asylum hearing. And that's the end of the matter. And President Trump uh, largely curtailed that by requiring individuals to apply for asylum in Mexico. And, you know, my understanding is many of those who applied for once they figured out that was the case, they ended up going home. And they had a much more aggressive analysis of asylum claims that resulted in more rejections of fraudulent claims. And of course, the left likes to pretend that if you want to enforce the law on asylum, you're against asylum. No, in fact, when you enforce the law on asylum, credible asylum claims are handled expeditiously. And those who need them get them handled quickly. And those who are abusing the system similarly get quickly and ought to quickly get uh, drummed out of the system after due consideration. But Biden blew all that up because of its extreme open borders agenda. And now we have an open borders crisis in Texas and elsewhere on the border. 
Uh, they're talking about ha- housing thousands of uh, illegal alien border crossers. Uh, well, I don't know if they're technically illegal in the sense that children, cro- children who cross the border are treated differently legally. So in effect, they're encouraging the cartels and the human smuggling operations, the trafficking operations uh, to st- ramp up again. And they're going to, as I said, house potentially thousands of uh, teenage males. And of course, any male who crosses the border who is not a teenager is going to say they're a teenager so they can get the benefit of essentially what is Biden's amnesty, practically speaking. I've already told you they're trying to curtail interior enforcement. And they're practically speaking, shutting down enforcement at the border. And of course, you know, when you're rushing the border with thousands of illegal aliens, uh, that it provides a nice distraction for the cartels who want to rush the border with other illegal items they need to traffic into the United States. So it's a rule of law crisis. It's a sovereignty crisis. It's a national security crisis. Judicial Watch has been in the forefront of highlighting the national security threats caused by our open border on the South there. And of course, it's a public health crisis because they're not, you know, they're pretending to be concerned about COVID if you're wearing a mask on a plane. I flew on a plane yesterday, uh, recently. I mean, there were 50 announcements saying we had to wear masks. Do they, do they require someone to wear a mask across the border? Of course not. Do they do COVID testing for everyone? Of course not. In fact, the reports are they're releasing folks they know have COVID into the population without telling anyone. So this is the Biden administration, and it's purely the fault of the Biden administration. This isn't something he inherited and it just got a little worse. He came in and changed policies. And this is the result. It's a border crisis. He's failing to do his core duty as the president of the United States, A, to enforce the law, faithfully execute them, and secure our border and secure our sovereignty. I mean, if you want to talk about impeachment, and I encourage you to watch my uh, speech I gave a few weeks ago where I talked about this issue. If you're talking about impeachment, that's the sort of thing you impeach presidents over, in my view. Now, what is Judicial Watch doing? Well, first of all, we are challenging the, the, the welcome mats in jurisdictions, the sanctuary policies that encourage illegal aliens to A, go to those places, and then B, harm the public safety by allowing illegal alien criminals, folks who are not only illegal aliens, but go on to ad- commit additional crimes here in the United States that harm the public safety to get out. So we got two big cases. Uh, and uh, in San Francisco, and one in Santa Clara County, which is just south of San Francisco, challenging those sanctuary policies. And uh, we're still pursuing a case in Maryland that's on appeal. Uh, these are taxpayer standing lawsuits, where the theory is that taxpayers uh, have a right to make sure their funds at the state level aren't being used to uh, engage in illegal behavior or support, uh, engage in activities that violate the law. Now, separately with the border crisis, we've initiated a series of Freedom of Information Act requests 
You may have seen recently uh, news that the Biden administration is walling off any reporters from getting into these new caged facilities, as I call them. In fact, uh, the new Secretary of Homeland Security, Meyer Orcus, is going down on a, quote, private CODEL, congressional delegation trip, Republicans and Democrats, senators going down with them to look at the border. Private. I don't know which Republicans are on that trip, but I wouldn't be part of that scam. Supposedly it's private because of privacy concerns and COVID-19. So now the big government and the Biden administration is using COVID-19 to cover up their activities that aid and abet illegal activity on the border. Because when you, by the way, are taking kids that you know have been trafficked there and after filing some paperwork, move them to another location, you're part of the human trafficking operation. You're part of child smuggling. That's, that's the rule of law crisis I'm talking about. I mean, all the news today is about, um, I'm sure you've seen Biden tripping two or three times going up the stairs in Air Force One. And I've highlighted to you before my concerns about his cognitive issues. And, um, you know, I'm concerned he, he doesn't, he's suffering cognitive disabilities that are impacting his ability to do his job. But because we're pretend we're supposed to pretend that's not an issue, we're still going to hold him fully accountable for failing to do his job because he has no excuse, we're told. I mean, he within a month, I mean, we're into month two now. I mean, the border broke down within a month of his coming into office after he undid all of those Trump era reforms. I mean, if Biden was smart, he'd bring in President Trump and have him as a volunteer border czar. We know what happened. He'd get it done. But of course, you know, that's they're just there's there's this crazed anti-Trump, crazed left wing extremism policy that's coming out of Washington, D.C. now with the new Biden administration. And, you know, I I. You know, as a conservative, I object to the policies, and I'm sure you do too. But as president of Judicial Watch, in my experience, extreme left policies often run afoul of the law. And in the case of immigration, it almost always runs afoul of the law because it usually means a not enforcing the law or actively violating it. So you can we've got lawsuits already on this legal immigration crisis. More lawsuits will be coming up. But I'm telling you, if you are concerned about this, you've got to let your members of Congress know. You've got to be active locally because all of these aliens, they're not staying in Texas. They're coming to your town. As I said, the health crisis, the public safety crisis, I'm sure all of the Central American centered centered gangs like MS-13, etc., are going to be all excited because they're going to get an influx of new members as a result of these young men coming in with the help of the Biden administration. This is a nightmare. And if I were if I were the governor of Texas, 
and and other border states. I'd look into that constitutional provision that um, allows states to engage in a compact uh, to protect themselves against an invasion. How many thousands of illegal aliens constitute an invasion? Our border needs to be secure. If we don't have a border, we don't have a country. So it would be nearly impossible to overstate the importance of border security. Now, the revolutionary left that's in ascendance here in Washington, D.C., hate the United States, want to end the country, want to end our Constitution. So it should be no surprise to you that they want to end our borders. But Joe Biden has pretended he's not a man of the communist left, so he needs to be accountable for enforcing the rule of law. And every Republican and every honest Democrat on the Hill, they need to be shouting from the mountaintops about this. They really do. So one of the other scandals in Washington, D.C., and it has the national implications. I say it's a scandal, but it's another threat to your freedoms as an American citizen, is the uh, use of the January 6th riots to uh, attack uh, any opposition to the leftist extreme agenda that Joe Biden and his allies on the Hill want to pursue. And that includes... Um, that agenda includes suppressing dissent. It includes uh, making it uh, potentially criminal to criticize certain policies. It includes encouraging big tech to censor you if you say the wrong thing. I'm not talking about inciting violence or the other things they pretend to be care they care about that they, they pretend to care about, which in fact they don't really care about. The left spent the last year inciting violence. It's been principled conservatives who oppose violence. And includes lying about what happened on January 6th and includes withholding information about what happened on January 6th. Remember, they had the, you know, I guess we're not allowed to talk about it, the sham impeachment of President Trump. And one of the core aspects of that impeachment, he was responsible for the murder of a police officer. The New York Times initially quoted, and other news reports did, that law enforcement officers say that, uh, supposedly had said that uh, Officer uh, Brian Sicknick, the U.S. Capitol Police officer who died after the riot, died as a result of blunt force injuries. He was hit in the head with an extinguisher, a fire extinguisher. I mean, I'm sure you recall all the dramatic descriptions of that. It turned out it looks like not to be true. New York Times had to correct and or revise that because it looks like he didn't die from blood force trauma. They're not sure how he died. In fact, we still don't have the medical examiner's report, which is mighty unusual given the length of time that has passed. So Judicial Watch does what Judicial Watch does best. We ask questions. We want a copy of the autopsy report. We want a copy of other documents related to that issue. And we didn't get it, so we sued. So just today, we sued uh, the Office of um, 
the district of, excuse me, we just sued in the District of Columbia, the Superior Court, which is the D.C. version of your local court, uh, the office of uh, the D.C. Medical Examiner for records about, uh, and this is the exact request, it's a simple request, all records, including but not limited to autopsy reports, toxicology reports, notes, photographs, an office of chief medical examiner officials electronic communications related to the death on january 6 2021 of capitol police officer brian sicknick and its related investigation so not only do we want the autopsy report and the other material that could tell us how he died because by the way there's all sorts of leaks about how he potentially died what's already been ruled out supposedly where's the actual documents and we also want to know if there were any communications about what was going on, because as I said, it's been it's now one month, two months, two and two and a half months. Well, it's almost, yeah, about a little over two, almost two and a half months since he died. We still don't know how he died. I mean, we had a president impeached over this. And we still don't know whether this officer died as a result of being murdered, right? Or was the death not related to the right? We don't know. So in my experience, and Judicial Watch's experience, we kind of know when something's up. And something's up. This unusual and unlawful secrecy undermines the public's confidence in the fair administration of justice. How is that? Because it suggests they're hiding something. And they don't want you to know the truth about his death. And frankly, they may not want you to know the truth about who was saying what to who about the death investigation. Because in Washington, D.C., again, in my experience, which now goes back decades, that otherwise ordinary criminal investigations get derailed, subverted, obstructed, slowed distorted, compromised by political intervention. So in our experience that, uh, you know, any normal criminal investigation in D.C. gets, uh, is, is changed, to put it charitably, when there's a political component. And there, we're already seeing evidence of this because we've had false information put out there, leaks, about documents that allegedly are private. I mean, we're not giving them. I mean, they're so secret. They're so secret, they're leaked. And as I said, the politicization of this death, where there's been this media narrative that a police officer was murdered, when in fact, we don't know if that's the case or not. But certainly there have been no charges that he was murdered. There's, there were two charges last week that he was assaulted, or two people were charged with assaulting him. They weren't charged with murder. So where, where, where's the basic facts about something that was used to impeach a president? Judicial Watch right now is in court trying to get answers for you, the American people. And this is on top of two other cases we've already filed. You may recall we sued the U.S. Capitol Police under a common law right of public access to documents about the Capitol riot. We want the emails and the videos. Why can't we see them? 
We also want uh, the communications of Nancy Pelosi with the Pentagon. Actually, the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, where on January 8th, she was talking to him about looks like interfering in the in the chain of command. Looked to me like she was encouraging a coup. She was so hateful of President Trump, really unhinged, as I've called it. So these are the things that need to be investigated, and Judicial Watch is the only one doing the investigation. It's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, I'm glad that we're doing it, but isn't it outrageous that we're the only ones doing it? Isn't it outrageous? So uh, I hope this press, this um, this lawsuit leads to public pressure to release this information finally. Because this is not lawful what's happening. It's not lawful and it's not right. And the secrecy suggests there's some corruption here. I mean, it's that simple. Boy, there's a lot of stuff to be angry about these days. But, you know, and I get angry. You can see I, I you know, I, I get as angry as you do. But what I love about Judicial Watch is that we're able to channel our concerns into a constructive, uh, constructively to try to do something about it, which is to kind of expose what went on, hopefully get some accountability, let the bad guys know at least we're watching them to either mitigate the damage or get some uh, much more significant legal accountability, potentially. Right. This is why Judicial Watch's work is essential, because these, these politicians would have free reign otherwise. Similarly, you've heard about the stories in New York and Pennsylvania and other states about decisions by those governors and senior public health officials made. And I call them public health because that's what everyone else calls them. But they really should be called political health decisions makers. I mean, Fauci is every much a politician as James Comey is. So anyway, Andrew Cuomo and Tom Wolf, the governor of um, Pennsylvania and, and folks associated with them. Uh, Rachel Levine, who is uh, the former direct secretary of health uh, for uh, Pennsylvania, was involved in this. And now she's a, on, on in line to be a top official for um uh, the uh, Biden Health Department, Health and Human Services. So they made these decisions that require nursing homes to uh, take in COVID positive patients. And anyone who's looked at this issue has recognized that doing so increased the number of deaths needlessly in New York and Pennsylvania and other states that required those. Uh, nursing homes to take in COVID-positive patients. Now, how many deaths are they responsible for? I don't know. I really don't. It's maybe not as many as critics suggest, but certainly more than one. And if it's your family member who died needlessly because of government decision-making, that's all that you need, one. 
Now, other states didn't make decisions like that. In Florida, I mean, the nursing homes were more susceptible to COVID because the older you are, the more susceptible you are to uh, the severe uh, getting a uh, severe case of COVID and dying. But uh, Cuomo uh, is also in a scandal because he uh, his people allegedly withheld information about the actual numbers from both the Trump administration and uh, state officials in New York and the legislature that were investigating. And he may have lied about what they were doing. So it's a big scandal. So one of the things we did was we began asking questions is what we do. We have a number of FOIAs. And I have to say about any particular topic, I say, you know, we're suing about the nursing home deaths. It means that we've got one lawsuit about the nursing home deaths, but we probably have a dozen to 20 to 30 other FOIAs about it that we haven't gotten around to suing on. So this is just a sample of, uh, we don't sue on every FOIA we pursue and get sold on. We simply don't have the capacity to do that. That would be thousands of lawsuits per year, practically speaking. But in this case, we asked the Department of Homeland, excuse me, the um, HHS, specifically the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is a gargantuan agency within HHS, uh, for communications about the COVID nursing policy, nursing home policies in New York and Pennsylvania. And there are one, two, three, four, five, six. So six different subsets of questions we had about those communications. We wanted communications between New York and HHS and Pennsylvania and HHS. Those are the broad categories. So this is a big scandal. You know, COVID was bad enough, but it was worsened, in my view, by decision makers like Cuomo and, and in Pennsylvania. Worsened by those who uh, politicians of all political parties who panic and imposed lockdowns that have never been used before in the in the in, in human history. Forget about American history to control a pandemic. Restrictions on our liberties. Punishments, destructions of businesses, harming children, and the health consequences of all of that suppressive activity, which are, are probably significant in the sense that, um, I mean, we're still trying to figure out what the health consequences are in terms of suicides, addictions, and other health issues that arise because people are unable to take advantage of the healthcare system because of the panic decision making by members of the healthcare system and the politicians that were lording over them. So, you know, this is this is what Judicial Watch does best. There's all these debates, and we want to say, what are the numbers? Cuomo, there's a debate whether Cuomo gave the government correct numbers. Well, let's ask for the numbers they gave the government. Simple, right? Well, it's never simple because we didn't get an answer, so we've had to sue. This was our frustration during the Trump administration, and it will be obviously our frustration during the Clinton, if we, excuse me, I guess Freudian slip. Clinton, Biden, Obama administration, right? We're always going to be stonewalled. And this is why it's important to have a group with Judicial Watch's expertise 
who's we filed, I think we filed. My guess is we're probably near 500 Freedom of Information Act lawsuits by now. 500. That's 500. And that's probably 5,000 FOIA case, uh, FOIA uh, requests. So there's no group that has more experience in FOIA than Judicial Watch. And it's slow, it's laborious, but it's historically consequential in ways that other oversight fails to be here in Washington, D.C. Congress relies on our work. The administrations rely on our work of both political parties. I mean, don't think that just Republicans support Judicial Watch. Lots of Democrats like what Judicial Watch does. Lots of Democrats. We're we're nonpartisan. I mean, just because we got a conservative attitude about what government should do and the size and scope of government and and a conservative uh, skepticism that what uh, liberals call good, uh, you know, needed government programs are often just a ways uh, way uh, a way of engaging in corruption. So this FOIA is this FOIA. That's why FOIA is supported by both the left, the honest left, and the right. So we'll see what happens. We'll get some Cuomo information. I know Cuomo's under fire over over his um, alleged sexual transgressions. Is that the right way of putting it? Up there in New York. You know what I think is interesting. On a side note, is that Judicial Watch is trying to get records along with the Daily Caller News Foundation of Biden's Senate time, his Senate records. And in those records, it's been alleged that we might be able to figure out whether the allegations that he sexually assaulted someone are corroborated. Now, why is it only Judicial Watch is interested in that? It shows you how corrupt this media is and how corrupt Washington is, how they protect some and not others, isn't it? So, you know, I, I don't have much time for Cuomo, generally speaking. No, I, his contempt for the rule of law and our rights is just terrible. That's the sort of impeachable stuff, in my view. If you get someone who doesn't like our Constitution, they probably shouldn't be in office. I say that with some, I'm, I'm being, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But why all of a sudden are Cuomo's transgressions, which you, I guarantee you are well known in, in New York, so important for the left media and progressives to pursue when they ignore similar evidence of transgressions by the president of the United States, Joe Biden. So that's my question. And I think you know the answer. So uh, next up is another big case. And as I said, I've been doing this work for now 22, 23 years almost, 23 years, I think. Yeah, it's 23 years. I began at Judicial Watch during the 1998. February began working in the office in, in February, I think, of, 2000, of 1998 and came on full time in July. So 23 years of 1998. And these documents are the most troubling, disturbing, horrifying 
documents I've ever seen. And these are documents that we uncovered as a result of litigation against the Department of, Home, of Health and Human Services about um, fetal organ harvesting. We found receipts and other documentation about the purchasing of uh, fetal organs for um, experimentation, specifically, quote, for humanized mice. That's right. I want you to imagine, and, and the documents are up on our website, looking at credit card receipts for a liver or a thymus or a, or, or a uh, you know, a purchase order for organs. Completely horrifying. One of the worst aspects, this is the language from one of the documents we uncovered, that the organs should be fresh and never frozen. Fresh, never frozen. So as I've often said, it's been a catalog of horrors when you look at that material. It's about as upsetting as anything you'll see. So uh, uh, Judicial Watch disclosed this. In my view, literally doing the Lord's work in doing so. Uh, but still we face obstruction, first from the Trump administration. Obviously, they just take up the cudgel of obstruction in the Biden administration. I mean, what was frustrating about the Trump administration, that Trump was so was personally transparent. This is why the left hated him, in part. But his appointees couldn't could care less about transparency. They didn't they weren't interested in it. They let the deep staters just run the run the uh, table on that. In fact, in many ways, though the Trump agencies, and I don't mean I only say Trump in the sense that. I don't know if Trump was running them, practically speaking, in terms of FOIA, but there's no evidence he really was. These deep staters and the accommodationist Republican appointees had zero interest in disclosing this information. So we had to fight and sue for them. And some of the documents they were hiding were additional pricing information for the fetal organs that were taken from, uh, by the way, they were getting them from a uh, abortions committed by Planned Parenthood. More more tax dollars at work for you. And uh, at least one federal judge who was handling this case, you know, wanted nothing, no part of it in terms of the uh, extra secrecy they wanted for this activity. So FDA NIH was dealing with a company called Advanced Bio, I'm going to get to make sure they get the name right. Advanced Biosciences Resources, ABR. Again, they were used to create humanized mice in HIV research. ABR partners, as I said, with Planned Parenthood and other abortions, uh, abortionists to dismember fetuses and sell their parts for research. The decision notes that ABR, and this is a quote from the federal court decision that we just received, sold second trimester livers and thymi for hundreds of dollars apiece, the same for brains, eyes, and lungs. After tacking on fees for services like shipping and cleaning, ABR could collect over $2,000 on a single fetus it purchased from Planned Parenthood 
for $60. The federal government participated in this potentially illicit trade for years. Of course, the court raised concerns about whether these transactions were illegal. Happily for the government and ABR, the court need not reach Judicial Watch's argument that the government can't withhold information that issue because ABR engaged in criminal conduct. Recall that it is illegal to transfer any human fetal tissue for valuable consideration. Judicial Watch contends that the invoices disclosed here show that the government paid valuable consideration to ABR, and so the government cannot keep the withheld information confidential. The court found it dubious that a Freedom of Information Act exception that invoked by the government could be used to shield illegal businesses practice, quote, be used to, excuse me, could be used to, quote, shield illegal business practices under the guise of confidential business information and declared that there is reason to question the lawful, lawfulness of the transaction between the government and ABR. So he ordered them to release information about other contractors involved in this, contract laboratories, any redacted unit pricing of the organs of the fetal tissue, and any redacted per specimen trap uh, pricing info. So we're up for second second trimester fetal tissue related to the 2016-2018 years, which is where we were interested. Now the Trump administration stopped this barbar barbaric practice for a time. And of course, using COVID as a pretext, they were trying to get it started up again, the usual suspects. I don't think it was started up again, but under the Biden administration, which is probably going to be even within a month or so of being in office, the most radically pro-abortion administration in American history, I suspect this is going to start up again, unless we're careful. So this lawsuit we began in 2018, and it's now almost three years later, and we're now got this great court decision telling the government they can't hide documents. As I said, he didn't need to find it was illegal to get us the documents because for other legal reasons, they were on, they, they didn't give him a, uh, any legal reason to allow them to withhold uh, this basic information about this barbaric practice. So as I said, this is the worst stuff I've ever seen. And uh, it will shed uh, the dis this great court decision, which again is on our website at judicialwatch.org, will shed additional light on the federal government's barbaric practice of purchasing organs of aborted human beings. The American people deserve to know how their tax dollars are being spent on this grotesque and potentially illegal activity. I, I suspect you agree with me, don't you? So this is a big deal. Um, we're not giving up on this. And you can believe we're going to monitor what the Biden administration is doing. And if there's more information here publicly worth sharing, we will highlight it for you. I have a feeling there are actually documents we still have that I, I think we need to release out as well. So there's more to come, I think, on this case, no matter what happens. So with that being said, I hope you have a wonderful week. And I hope you see why, if you already are supporting Judicial Watch, why that support has been so worthwhile. And if you aren't supporting Judicial Watch, why you should support Judicial Watch. There's no one else doing the heavy lifting that Judicial Watch is doing to hold the government accountable to the rule of law that Judicial Watch does. 
So I encourage you to continue to support our work or to begin supporting our work. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next week here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.